0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send us an email to at ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. In this series, Pastor Chad Gilligan talks about things that affect us in our everyday lives. Listen as he teaches us how to live in light of what Christ has done for us in this series called Real Life Stuff. One of the great privileges that I have is uh, to be able to just interact with people, hear people's stories. That's, I try to make it a priority after each service to get to the Connection Center and have a chance to, to meet and talk with people. And, and one of the things that happens quite often is somebody will come up, and they're, they're always so gracious because the first thing they say is, Pastor, I know you only have a few minutes. I know we're in between, a few, just in between services. I know you've just got a couple of minutes, but can I ask you questions? Yeah, absolutely. And then they go, okay, here's the deal. And then they tell me their life story. I know you only have a few minutes, but here's my whole life story. And then here's what's in front of me right now. What do you think God's will is for my life? I know you only have a minute. What's God's will for my life? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but isn't that the isn't that one of the major questions that we ask so many times? What is God's will for my life? So, so we're in a series of messages that we're calling real life stuff. And we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're looking at how Paul walks through a church whose Life has been changed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember what we said, if Christ has changed, then you you need to live like you've been changed. And he deals with this topic, real life stuff. What's God's will for my life? It revolves so many times around so many different situations when people come. What job does God want me to take? What school does God want me or my kids to go to? What person does God want me to be with? How does he want me to live in this circumstance, in the workplace, in my family, in all the chaos in the world, in the calling that I feel in my heart to do something more for God? What's God's will for my life? Paul makes this interesting statement, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, look at what he says here. He's he's writing to this church in Ephesus, and he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will will is. This is the question. What is God's will for our life? And if you look at the very beginning of that verse, the first word that he uses there is therefore, which kind of points us back to the fact that the things that he's just said to us will help us to know in light of those things, we're going to be able to examine what is God's will for our lives. And so today, what I want to give to you is just four principles, just some guiding thoughts with regards for living the will of God for your life. Four principles for living the will of God for your life. And here's the deal, because I already see it. As soon as I said something on the will of God, some of you perked up, you pulled out your notebook and your pen, you're like, I am ready. There there are going to be drops of gold fall from that man's lips, and I am going to catch them. Like, you're just, you're desperate for the will of God in your life. Here's the deal. You know what we're going to talk about today? The basics Because how many times do the most important things in our lives start with the basics? And this is what Paul writes about. He says, you want to know the will of God for your life? Let me show you what these things are. And here's what I know. If you're here and you're in that season right now, for whatever reason, you go, God, I just need some clarity. God, I need direction. God, I'm looking to you. And then I believe today's word is really going to be for you. If you're not in that place, here's what I know. Someday you will be. And so we're talking about these things today that I hope that you'll look at. Four principles for living the will of God. Here's the first one. Number one, you cannot see in the dark. Number one, you cannot see in the dark. So many times we want to see God's plan for our lives. We want to see his will. Look at what Paul writes. This is how he starts this passage. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. He's saying, look, I want to show you something that is incredibly important if you want to find God's will for your life. Now, let me talk to you for a few minutes about what he means about this idea of living as children of the light. And then I want to show you how it relates back to his will. But he takes, what, five, six verses here, and he talks about Light, you see this theme over and over again in what he's gonna say. Look at this with me. Ephesians chapter five, starting with verse eight, and look at the things that he says to us. How many times he mentions this concept of light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Verse nine, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light, and that is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Over and over again in those verses, you see this concept of light and darkness. Now here's one of the things that he points out and highlights for us right away. He implies that these individuals that he's writing to, to the church, have been transformed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, look, you are children of light. Which on the one hand implies that they're living in a world of darkness. We've already seen this. That if Christ has changed us, then we'll be changed. We're going to be different from the culture around us. We're going to be unique From the the ways that we maybe lived before we knew Christ. And his point is if we are children of the light, we should live like it. If we're children of the light, then live like it. And here's what he says to us about this idea. The first is this is that light is what you are. He's not saying it's not just what happened to you, it's not just what has shined on you, but light is what you are, it's your identity. And you have to realize that and see that if you're going to live in this. So many times we forget that this is what God has made us. When we face the struggles and the challenges of the world around us, it's so good to be reminded that we are children of light. I was here the, the other uh, night, Friday night. It was uh, ladies night. There was over 200 ladies here. It was a really, really cool event that I'm not at all welcome to. And... Um, I was here for a couple of things that were going on and, and, and I, I realized at one point as things were just about to start, I've got to get out of here because I don't belong here. Nor do I want to be here. Like it was one of these, you know, one of these things. Why? Because I saw this, I'm different, right? I'm different. And there's something unique that happens in our lives when we realize God has changed us. We're not what we used to be. We don't have to struggle with those same burdens we don't have to live with that same guilt we don't have to be in that same place god has changed us because we are children of the light if that's the case what does that mean well one of these things is that light bears fruit he says remember we saw that in verse 9 he says for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness truth light bears fruit there's going to be things that come out of your life if you are living in the light of your relationship with god now, that's, that's really critical to see, because for some of us, what we need to do is take a step back and say, is, is my life bearing fruit? Fruit of the light, which is a really cool thing, because if you want something to grow, what does it need? It's photosynthesis, right? One of the key elements that it needs is light. And Without light, it's not going to grow. But if something's growing in you, he, he talks about goodness. That's kind of a moral uprightness. He talks about righteousness. That's, that's your right relationship with God. He talks about truth. It's your person of integrity. And if you see those things in your life, then odds are it's because of the light of God that's shining in you and, and on you and through you. But if you don't, or if you don't see that fruit in the way that you want to, maybe it's a good time for you to make some adjustments. I don't know if you have any of these, but in our backyard, we've got several of these, like, these solar lights. Do you know these things? they're really kind of cool you just just stick them out there in the ground and they soak up the sun during the day and then they shine at night and they're really kind of cool and we had we had one of them that was out in the yard at one point it reminded me of myself because it was kind of a dim bulb and and I um remember thinking that one doesn't seem to shine as brightly as the other ones and I got looking at it it was right like right in the shadow of some shrubbery so I kind of just adjusted it kind of just moved it a little bit and then Watched it and saw that the next night, then it, it, was, it was brighter because it was, was getting more sun. It was getting more light because the more light that it took in, the brighter it was able to shine. And for some of you, you would say, look, I just, I just don't see that fruit in my life. Maybe there's some adjustments that need to be made. Maybe there's some changes in your life. Maybe you just need to move things around a little bit so that you can be in a place To allow God's light to affect your life. Here's why. Because light changes things. Light changes things. It makes a difference. See, Paul takes the next part of this passage to talk about that. And and, and, and let me just real rapid fire kind of tell you things. Because I want you to see this. He says that light exposes darkness. It helps us to see the things that aren't right. It helps us to see the things that aren't in line with God's word, that aren't God's best for us. Isn't that why we want to know God's will? Because we want God's best for our lives? Well, light exposes that. And then light provides vision. It doesn't just expose darkness, but it provides vision so that we can see, so that we can know the direction. And then light gives life to the things that we are looking at. It helps us. That's why he uses this line there that we, should, that we should wake up, that we should rise up, that we should let Christ shine on us because when we have his light in our lives, a great metaphor, when his light shines on us and through us, it brings life. Now here's how this connects to the will of God. And we talk about all these things. And so many times people will say, I just want to see God's will for my life. And the reality is, you will not be able to see God's will if you're living your life in the dark. And far too many people wrestle with the will of God, or they struggle, or they say, I just can't, I feel like I'm in the dark with, that, with regards to God's plan, or I don't know what God wants for my life. And many times it's because maybe you need to make some adjustments because you're living too much in the dark to be able to see what he wants you to do in the light. You know, people say, well, I just don't know what God wants from me. And then you start asking some questions. They don't really go to church, or they haven't spent much time in God's word. They don't have any Christian friends, or they spend a lot of time in places that aren't doing them any good. They never pray. They wonder why they don't have any peace after they turn off that horror film, <laughs> or they're listening to music or watching things that are robbing them of the joy that God would want to bring to them. Does that make any sense? And we wonder why we don't see God's will. It's because we've allowed so much darkness into our lives that we're not living in the light. And here's the reality. If you want to find God's will for your life, it has to start here with this. Just, it just makes sense. You cannot see in the dark. And if you're not going to allow the light to shine in your life, you're never going to be able to see what God has in store for you. First principle to finding God's will for your life, number one, you cannot see in the dark. Here's a second thing, number two that Paul says to us. He challenges us to aim to please. Number two, aim to please. He makes this really interesting statement in the midst of talking about light and darkness. Ephesians chapter five, verse 10, he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, I think it has to begin with this step. Once you're walking in the light, you've got to aim to please. Who is it you're trying to please in your life? Because, because boil it down, at some point, at some level, everything you do is built out of this desire to please someone in some way. So let me encourage you, do not aim to please yourself. That's not what scripture talks about. Do not aim to please yourself. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says. It says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. He pushes what he wants aside. Do not aim to please yourself. See, this is where I think we get conflicted on the will of God so many times. Why do I want to know the will of God for my life? Because I want God's best for me. Because I say, God, I want your best for my life. But the reality is that sometimes I don't like what God's best might be. And I'm quick to say, yeah, but God, that's not, or, or, but God, he's not, or, but God, she is, or, but God, I don't think I, and we go through all these things and we find ourselves working more to please ourselves than aiming to please God. The the other trap we can fall into is not just pleasing ourselves, but I challenge you, do not aim to please others. I mean, that's, that's so many times something that becomes our focus. We're more concerned about what others will think or what we're doing for someone else that we miss out on the point. Paul says here, do not aim to please yourself. Do not aim to please others. Aim to please the Lord. Aim to please the Lord. He's our focus. He is, I don't know, maybe the best way to say it is he's our target. See, I've, ne- I've, known, I've known people who who say they want to know God's will for their lives, but they're spending so much time aiming at and, and, and firing at and shooting at so many other things that they miss the target. What's the target? Aim to please the Lord. And here's the reality. If pleasing God is not your target, you will live your life missing his will. If aiming, if, if pleasing God is not your target, you will live your life missing his will. And this becomes more than just um, just these big decisions that we make. It's got to become this everyday part of our lives. Because look, there's some things that we just know do not please God. Right? I mean, it's easy. Like if you're really angry with your neighbor, should you kill them? Does that please God? Yes or no? No, please don't. Why? Because it doesn't please God. Don't kill them, don't steal from them, don't lie to them, and don't don't covet what they have, right? Ten Commandments, right? We know that. And then we know some things that just do please God. I mean, it's just things that we know are pleasing to him. And then here's the deal with the will of God. Sometimes I think he gives us the opportunity to choose. Sometimes we, we want just, we just want, is it left or right, God? And sometimes God says, I don't know, you choose. Which way do you want to go? And he gives us that opportunity and we're able to make those choices with confidence when we know that whatever we're doing, we're doing to try to please him. So I think sometimes we get so stuck in the fact that God's will has to be just this one thing. I don't believe that there's only one person out there that's right for every person to marry. Does that make sense? I mean, some people are like, I just, there's just one right person for every person. That doesn't make any sense because if one person misses the mark, they mess it up for everybody else, right? Right. Think about it for a minute. There's just that one boom, 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 oh man, the whole domino thing just felt it doesn't work. The reality is there's these places in our lives where God gives us a choice. And he says, What what do you want to do? And he can entrust us to do that if our target at its very core is that we want to please him. So Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. How do you know that? How do you find it out? I think it starts with this, basically it starts with prayer, doesn't it? At some point, on some level, I have to be in communication with God. And I would go as far as to say constant communication. That as I go through the daily steps of my life, I ask the question, God, what will please you? I'm constantly in communication with him. Sometimes Rhonda will send me a text and and just say, hey, on your way home, will you stop by the grocery store and will you pick up these three things? Just pick up these three things. And she knows that if she asks me to pick up three things, that will mean six phone calls when I get to the grocery store. (laughs) Because I'm going to go walk over and I'm going to look and she says, get taco sauce. And I didn't know there's four million kinds of taco sauce. I don't know what you want. So I'm calling up and I'm saying, do you, want, do you want the red one that says mild or do you want the green one that says spicy? And eventually it just goes to this. All right, I'm FaceTiming you. Which one? Which one do you want? Just tell me. And she knows this. Why? One, because I'm clueless. But two, because I want to please her. I want to do the thing that I know is, is right and is best. And so that means at times, praise God for cell phones, saved my marriage more than once. There's times... For Because con- I'm clueless. It's time for constant communication. Do you go through your day and I'll say, God, as I'm at this crossroad, what would please you? Because that's got to be my target. Here's the cool part. The more, I, the, the more I go to the store for Rhonda, the more I, th- I know the things she wants. The more I know when she says taco sauce, oh, she means the red one that's mild, not the green one that, ooh, last time. So get that one, okay? I know that. And the more you're in communication with God, the more you know what pleases him. So have that communication with him. And then his word is so clear to us about things that please the Lord. Let me give you just a a couple real quick. Here's one, This, this is interesting. Worship pleases God. Not just when we sing on a Sunday morning, but when we view our whole life as honoring and giving glory to him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and Please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. If you view your work as worship, that pleases God. Generosity pleases God. When we're willing to take what he's entrusted to us and share it with others, look at this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. In fact, it boils down to this. Obedience pleases God obedience pleases god when we just simply do the things that he told us to do you know when i think i'm the most um i just use the word pleased with my kids is when they do the things they know they're supposed to do without me telling them explicitly to do them does that make sense Every so often on a Saturday when they just do their Saturday chores and we've not told them to do it, we usually take their temperature. It's like, well, hey, wait, are you okay? You all right? They just know that's what I'm supposed to do, so I, I do it. When we just obey what God's asked us to do, he's honored by that. He's pleased with that. But here's the deal. So many times we wait for God to send us a, an email or a bolt of lightning or write it in the sky and say, look, this is my will. You know what he's saying? Can you just start with what I've already told you to do? (laughs) Look at my word. Look in your heart. Do the things that I've already told you to do. Don't wait for a message from God. Do what he has already told you to do. That's his will. Don't wait for some kind of message. You already have it. Be obedient to his word. Do what he's put in your heart to do. Aim to please And now that we've established that, he says this next thing. He says, look, live in the light because you can't see in the dark and aim to please God because any other target will just cause you to miss his will. And now that you know what he wants you to do, third thing, he says this, don't be foolish. Number three, don't be foolish. Those words came out of my mouth in the first service and I heard my grandmother's voice in the back of my head. Chad, don't be foolish. Here's what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 15, he said the same thing. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. What's the difference? The difference is, he says, look, if you, if you know what God's will is, if, if you know you want to please the Lord, then, then do it do that thing. Live in that place. Obey those things. Don't be foolish. Don't waste your life. Don't miss out on the blessing of of living in the midst of what God has told you to do. If you want to know his will, take the basics. Start where you're at and live those things. And so many times, here's what happens. We think of the will of God as an event. We think of it as a moment. We think of it, oftentimes we think of it as a person. I'm going to find the person that's in God's will for me to be with. Or we think of it as like a title. My job will be, my role will be in the will of God. Living in the will of God is not so much a person or a title. It's a lifestyle where I say, God, I'm going to live in your will. I'm not going to be foolish, but I'm going to be wise. And I'm going to live in that thing. Jesus makes this, uh, this same connection. He tells a parable. It's actually in, in the book of Matthew. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, he tells this story to help, to help to outline this. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24, look at what Jesus says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let me stop you here for just a moment because I want to give you a visual, and I need you just to trust me because I've been to Israel, right? That's the, that's the, that's the thing. And, and I'm not going to say that forever, but I did t- just get back. So okay, so here's the deal. Picture this with me, all right? This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know exactly where he preached it, but we know it was somewhere in the region of Galilee. And most likely, if, if, you, just, if you can picture this with me, they're on a mountain, and it's not unlike this room where the people are up the mountain and Jesus is down, kind of at the at a, at the base, maybe at the lower part, and he's he's speaking up. And most likely, what they can see from that mountain in the background is the Sea of Galilee. And it's it's a beautiful place. It's a very unique place, too, because the, the Sea of Galilee, it's kind of more like a lake, and it's in like a punch bowl, okay? So there's mountains that rim it all the way around with some different canyons and valleys that come through in the midst of that. But what happens is you've got all these mountains around, and then the Sea of Galilee comes down in here like this in this punch bowl. It's a beautiful place. And so the picture that you can see in your mind as Jesus is teaching this, imagine this. The people are on that mountain, they're looking down at the Lord. He's giving the teaching, and they can look around. They can see the sea. They can see the, the homes that are around them, and probably some that are built on sand, some that are built on rock. And Jesus says the wise person is like the person, the person who does what he says is like the person who built their house on the rock. Listen to the rest of the story. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. That's the wise person. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. See the wise and the fool is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. He says, look, there's this difference. Those who build on the rock, the, the wise, those who do what I say, those who aim to please the Lord, their house is sturdy during the storm. Those who don't. So we stayed in this city called Tiberias when we were in Galilee, and we were there for, for three nights, and the, the Thursday was the last night that we were there. That day had been actually just beautiful and it's winter there like it is here so the temperatures were in the in the mostly in the 50s but that day it was in the in the high 60s we just needed a light jacket the sun was shining it was this beautiful day we went to bed that night at some point in the night what happened was something that they had told us about that when a storm blows in on the sea of galilee it is quick and it is violent because you've got all these mountains And when a storm comes in on the Sea of Galilee, it comes over those mountains and then it gets like trapped in that punch bowl. And so it's not like the thunder and lightning like we know, but that wind is just brutal. And I'll tell you this, I woke up in the middle of the night, we're on the 10th floor of this hotel and it was, it was with the sound of the rain and the wind, it was, it was somewhat terrifying. Because this storm came in with this incredible brutality and lasted for most of the night. And all of a sudden gave me more perspective on when Jesus said, when the rains fell and the stream rose and the winds blew, it crashed that house. And so the people on the mountain who are looking at Jesus, seeing the sea, and when he says, you know these storms that come? Storms are going to come in your life. (laughs) Well, When do we usually want to know what the will of God is? Oftentimes during a storm. And when the storm comes, you better be sure you're built on something that's gonna last. You can aim to please yourself, you can aim to please others. Paul says, Look, don't be foolish. Aim to please the Lord. Because if you do, when the storm comes, when you really need to know what His will is, you already will. Because you'll be living it. See, so many times we want this special sense of the will of God. God, we want to know, what is your will for my life? What is is your special sense, God? What is it that you want for me to do? And we wait for God to tell us. And the deal is this. So much of God's will is not special sense, but it's common sense. And it's biblical sense. And if you'll use your common sense and do what the Bible says, then he can entrust you with this special will in your life. Does that make sense? Living in God's will is not a dramatic revelation, but a faithful life. Living in God's will, it's not an event. It's not a flash of lightning. It's not a dramatic revelation, but it's a faithful life. And when you walk in the light and you aim to please God and you decide that you're going to build your house in a way that's not foolish but wise, then this fourth thing becomes so important. You ready? Last principle about finding and living in the will of God. Number four, when opportunity knocks, open the door. Number four, when opportunity knocks, open the door. Because there's these times when we, when we hear things. And it's so important that we respond. Look at what Paul says to the church. Ephesians chapter five, verse 16. We need to be making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. What is it that God has put in front of you that it is his will for you that you will miss if you aren't willing to open the door of that opportunity, what, what's Wayne Gretzky say, the great theologian Wayne Gretzky, do you remember him? He says, "You miss 100 percent of the shots you do not take." How many times have I, how many times have I missed something that was in God's will for me? because I just didn't make the most of that opportunity. Why not? Because we live in fear and not faith because we play defense and not offense, because we look at life and we see empty instead of full, because we say no more than we're willing to say yes, because we wait when God wants us to move and we miss what we should recognize. And as a result, opportunity moves right past us because we get so caught up in the will of God. I I know there's been times in my life when there's things that were right for me to do. Now, this is going to sound weird coming from a pastor, okay? Just just track with me here for a moment. There's been times in my life that, that I've missed the opportunity from God because I've seen it and I've said, well, let me just pray about it. Is that okay? When it was something that I didn't need to pray about, I just needed to do it. Now look, we've already said there's times when I need to be, all the time, need to be in constant communication with God, right? If I'm living my life to say, God, I want to please you, then I'm in constant communication with him. If that's the case, then there are times when you should not pray about something. You should just do something. If you see something that needs done, if there's an opportunity that's ahead of you, you go, well, I don't know if I'm gifted to do that. You know how you're going to find out? Try it. If you fail, don't do it again or find a better way to do it. But stop saying no when you should say yes. Don't use praying about it as a cop-out to doing something about it. Look, if you're walking down the street, and you see a piece of trash, do you stop and go, dear God, should I pick that up? Lord, I ask right now that if I'm supposed to pick up that McDonald's wrapper, that you would shine light on the words Big Mac, and I will pick it up in the name of the Lord. Right now, God, I pray. Do you do that? No, what do you do? You see it needs done, what do you do? You bend over, you pick it up, you throw it away. Because there's just some things that we know I need to make the most of that opportunity. And look, some of you have frittered away God's will for your life. Because you're afraid it's going to be a risk. Or because you're not so sure that you can do it. Or because you think, well, there's somebody who's probably more gifted. When the reality is, there are times in our lives where we've just got to say, God, I'm going to... I'm going to try this, because I don't sense that this doesn't please you. I don't sense that this is out of your will. So I'm going to take this step. Why? Because Paul said, look, this. Look, the days are evil. And if you and I just sit around and wait for a flash of lightning from God to do his will, the days are just going to get more evil, aren't they? Instead, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. Why do I feel it so strongly? Because if you don't, you are going to miss out on an incredible adventure from God. Now, I promise you that I'm not going to do this every Sunday for the rest of 2016. But can I tell you just one more story from Israel? Is that okay? Okay. Be- because it's, just, it's, all, it's all in my head right now. The night I'm talking to you about that the storm hit, okay, the night, the night that that hit was our last night in, in Tiberias. And I, I told you before that my son Clayton was a part of the trip, and so the very first day we were uh, walking this path that was th- kind of a little dangerous. It was, it was rocky. It was muddy because it had just rained and stuff. And during that walk, Clayton tripped on a, on a rock and sprained his ankle pretty bad. Well, he has a strength of 10 men like his father, and so it didn't, seem to, you know, it didn't seem to be a big deal for a couple of days, but by the third day, it wasn't getting any better, and it had gotten pretty swollen, and it was red, and we tried you know, taking some, some painkiller stuff, but that wasn't doing it, and so uh, somebody said, you know what you really need? You need to wrap that thing. Well, the only thing we had was toilet paper. That wasn't going to work, and so we said, okay, so w- what do we do? So I said, you know what? We got back to the hotel. It was before we were supposed to have dinner. Uh, we were in Tiberias like 6 o'clock at night. The sun had already set, and he was hobbling and hurting. And I said, look, buddy, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go and see if I can find like a drugstore or pharmacy nearby and, and see if there's some place that I can get you a, a, a ace bandage or something you can wrap it with and maybe that'll help. And so I went downstairs to the, you know, to the front desk and I spoke to the concierge at the hotel and I said, Hey man, do you know is there like a pharmacy or something nearby? And he's like, Oh, absolutely. Would you like me to tell you where it is? I said, man, that'd, that'd be great. He says, okay. Now what you want to do is when you leave the hotel, make a right, go all the way down to the next street and then make another right. Immediately make a left. And when you get past the second light, make a right, you'll go for a while, make a left. Then the next block, make a right. And it should be on your right. <laughs> got it. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I got it. And I thought, well, just, I, I think I, I got a general idea. I'll be okay. And so I went out. I don't know this city It was scrambling with people. They were having a a marathon race in that city the next day, and the headquarters for it were our hotel. So there are people everywhere. They're picking up their packets, and they're running around. I don't know if you've recognized this, but I look like I'm from Ohio, okay? Just for the record. So people are looking at me and I'm moving further and further, like blocks into this city by myself. People are looking at me like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Kind of looking for a pharmacy. I'm trying to remember where I'm going, where I'm looking. And I finally get, you know, I'm, I'm weaving my way through these, these streets and I get to this one spot where there's this intersection and I can look and I know that that next block is not, it's, it's dark, that next block. This block was all lit up. Because it was this commercial district. That next one certainly wasn't. And I'm like, that's where I think I need to go, but I'm not going there. So I turned around and went into this shop. Now look, you can get by just knowing English, but it's, it's I mean, they, Hebrew is the language and that's what people speak. And, that's, and I walked into this shop and I said, ma'am, can you tell me where a, where a pharmacy is? And she went, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you can't. See you later, bye. You know, and I'm out of there. <laughs> went to the next shop. I'm like, hey, do you know where a pharmacy is? The guy's like, yeah, you just go this way and down there. And I got there. And I'm not gonna lie. There were moments when people are looking, at me, you know, me up and down, and I'm like, I, "They're marathon runners. They're faster than me if they want to beat me up." You know, I've got all these <laughs> thoughts running through my mind. But as I'm walking back, Ace Bandage and an Israeli Kit Kat in my hands, <laughs> I said to myself, "This is awesome. This is such a cool experience." I'm so glad I didn't let my fear of the unknown or the darkness of the hour or the things that I didn't know what I would face or my own frailty keep me from going out and doing something that would make a difference for somebody I love. And I walked back with a spring in my step and a smile on my face until I realized I have no idea how to get back to the hotel. But that's, that's a whole different thing. That's the adventure. That's living the will of God. And I don't want you to miss it. I want you to be able to look back on your life and say, I am so glad that I didn't let risk or fear or the unknown or waiting for God's will keep me from living an incredible adventure of faith. You can't see in the dark. So aim to please. Don't be foolish. When opportunity knocks, I pray you'll open the door. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment and whether you're here in Auditorium 1, maybe you're in Auditorium 2, maybe you're watching online somewhere. I, I I don't know. I just know this. You are one of two kinds of people. You may be somebody who's going to need this message someday. And my prayer is that when that time comes, the Holy Spirit will quicken some of these things to your mind, that you'll come back to this passage of Scripture. You'll find out how to live the will of God. You're either someone who's going to need it, or you're someone who says, today, I needed that whatever it is that's in front of you, you've been asking questions or you've been wondering about God's will for your life, that job, that school, that person, that moment, that storm that you're in. And it's not something you're going to need, but you'd say God was speaking to your heart today. And if that's you, then I want to pray with you today. If you'd say, God, I'm not exactly sure what this is going to mean, but I don't want to miss out on the adventure of living in your will. Thanks, I needed this today. Would you just stand to your feet right where you are? I want to pray for you. You say, God, I, I don't want to miss out on the adventure of your will. Would you just stand right where you're at? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I want to pray with you. You know what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart before I pray, would you, would you just take a minute and wrestle with that truth? Living in the light, aiming to please, not being foolish, opening that door. God, you know what it is. And God, you know that in the heart of each person that's standing, they're making a decision not not to make your will some kind of moment or event but to make it a lifestyle God thanks that we can rest assured that we don't we don't desire your will alone but the day by day moment by moment you say you never leave us and that you never forsake us and that you walk through every step of the adventure of life with us so God I pray today you would bring confidence to those who need it Would you give strength to those who are uncertain? God, would you give peace to replace fear? Lord, would you help the one who's been quick to say no to be ready to say yes? God, would you lead us, help us not to be foolish, but to find out what pleases the Lord and to live the adventure of your will every day God, thanks for your word. Thanks for just a great weekend. As we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.